Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Hi, writers. Welcome to episode number 37. I'm Rachel Heron, and I'm really glad you're here. Today, our interview is with Kate Maruyama, and I know that you're going to enjoy listening to her. I really love what she said about understanding kind of the why behind our books and the who inside our books. Um, it was just a pleasure to talk to her, and that's going to be great when you get there. Um, before you get there, I'll give you my little update. It has been a big damn week. It really has. Um, I'm exhausted. <laughs> Let's see. I had a reading last Friday night at Octopus Literary Salon in Oakland, and it had been a while since I'd given a reading, um, like a literary reading, you know, and even longer since I'd done it with people that I didn't know. Um, I ended up reading with two amazing writers. Um, it was just 100% enjoyable. Uh, I wasn't worried about selling books. I didn't even have any books to bring to the cafe to sell uh, because most of them are sold, you know, by vendors who are not me. I don't sell my own books. So I just had to go and show up and read. And uh, my sisters came and a bunch of friends came. And it was just it was just pretty delightful. And um, the next day, on Saturday, I did my class at Stanford, the How to Plot Your Novel class. And like I mentioned, I had not gotten that ready too far ahead of time. Like the next day, I think after I recorded the last podcast, I had taught this material before, but in a longer format. I had never done it in six hours. Um, and the classes at Stanford, they, <laughs> they require things like, you know, bathroom breaks and lunch breaks go figure. So it actually works out to about five hours. Um, so it was a super compressed class, a lot of information. And the students were fantastic. I could not have asked for a better class. I'm not quite sure how I keep ending up with these amazing classes and amazing students. Um, but I'm not going to look that particular gift horse in the mouth. I just enjoy it. We all got so much out of the day and I left completely spent. I had given all I had, I told them all my secrets, all my tips, everything I have learned the hard way about plotting a book. And don't you worry, because I'm going to be making an online class for that. So if you were not available to come to Stanford last Saturday, which um, aside from 21 of you, that would be the rest of the world, uh, you'll still have a chance to look at that. I'm very proud of that class. Um, so I, I drove home. I was just super happy and thinking about my writer's newsletter that I was going to send out that night when I got home talking about the just the wonder and the joy of being around other writers, especially sometimes I find being around new writers who have these really big questions, these really hard to answer questions. And, um, and I get so much pleasure out of saying, oh, yes, I screwed that up. Let me tell you how I learned about that. So perhaps you will not make the same mistakes as I have made. Uh, and of course, that probably won't work because everybody makes their own mistakes in their own way, in their own time. That's uh, part of the beauty of life. But it is just so enjoyable to do that. So anyway, I drove home and uh, had dinner and then realized that my little dog, 
who is sitting here on my lap. This one right here is a very expensive dog right now because she ate a cup full of raisins and uh, they're toxic to dogs, some dogs, um, putting them into kidney failure. So I had to take her to the emergency vet that night and she stayed for two and a half days, um, $2,000 later. Holy crap. She's fine, but uh, that was that was exhausting and 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 remarkably emotionally distressing, I must say. Even though the vet said she'd be fine if she stayed in the hospital and continued to be monitored and was on all the fluids, I was still I was still I didn't quite have the um, capability of of dealing with that very well. So um, that was that was rough. Hello, Dozy. And the next day was a Stitches West, which is this huge knitting convention um, where I was doing a signing. And I got to see all of my people, all of my knitters that I've known for so long. And it was wonderful. And it was also just really exhausting. And um, and I actually took Monday off. Uh, so you, yeah, if you subscribe to my writer's newsletter, you didn't get it this week. And that's actually the point that I want to make is that um, sometimes shit happens and it pushes our plans to the side. And as dedicated and as diligent I am, as I am about meeting my word count, about hitting my goals, some weeks we just don't. And I wanted to remind you if you've forgotten that it's okay when you have a goal and you don't make it. Um, we are all if you're listening to this, we are all in the privileged position of having the time and the energy and the desire to create. If you are living a hard scrabble existence and you literally don't know where your next meal is coming from, you're not going to be a writer. You're going to be struggling for survival. None of us have that happening. Um, we think it's a big deal when we miss these goals. It's it's really not. We just get back up on the horse and start trotting or galloping or whatever it is that horse people do. Um, so yeah, I wanted to say that it's okay to, to miss the mark sometimes it really is. Um, and I, and I don't know if this is related or not, but I'm just, I'm thinking a lot about how grateful I am about for this life that I have for this life that I've created. Um, I've been studying this thing called effective forecasting for the Patreon essay that I'm writing right now. And basically, effective forecasting shows us that we are terrible as a species at predicting what will make us happy. Um, the things we think will, will make us really, really happy end up only making us somewhat happy, and then we get used to whatever the situation is. The things that we think will be devastating, that will destroy us, that we can't live through, they hurt, but we get through them and we end up back at kind of that happy set point that we all have. It's all diff It's different for everyone, but we end up back at this set point. We are not good at predicting what will make us happy. However, I always thought that writing full-time would make me happy. And kind of knowing this about uh, um, what we get used to, I was also predicting in this last year to get used to this job, to get used to being happy, maybe to be, even become a little bit less happy uh, because I finally have what I want and I get used to it. That is not happening. It is so cool. I was leaving Mills um, this afternoon after writing and looking up at the trees and thinking, God damn, this is my job. 
I still am not over it. It still delights me every single day that I am allowed to do this. So, um, if you are a Patreon supporter, I want to thank you immensely from the bottom of my heart. I have a couple new ones this week. Um, and I want you just to know and understand anyone who is supporting me on Patreon, how much that means to me and what a difference your support makes in my life. Sandil, thank you for increasing your pledge. That is huge and wonderful. And Tracy and Rachel, new patrons, thank you so, 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 so much. Um, it means the world. If, if you only knew what it meant to me. So, okay, that's my update. Let us jump into the interview. Um, I hope that your work is going well. I hope that if you've missed a mark or two this week that you just put it out of your head. That is done. It's over right tonight, right tomorrow morning, right your heart and right for your life. Okay. Uh, it's good chatting with you. I'll talk to you soon. Enjoy the interview. Hey, you're a writer. Did you know that I send out a free weekly email of writing encouragement? Go sign up for it at rachelherron.com slash write. And you'll also get my stop stalling and write PDF with helpful tips you can use today to get some of your own writing done. Okay, now on to the interview. I am so pleased today to welcome Kate Maruyama. Hi, Kate. Hi, how are you? I'm so Thanks glad that you're here. Of course. Let me give you a quick little introduction for those who might not know you. Kate Maruyama's novel, Harrogate, which incidentally I am really looking forward to reading. It looks like it is right up my alley, uh, was published by 47 North. Her short work has appeared in Arcadia, Stoneboat, and Controlled Burn, and is now featured in two new anthologies, Phantasma Stories and Winter Horror Tales, as well as on The Rumpus, Salon, and The Citron Review, among other journals. She teaches at Antioch University Los Angeles in the BA and MFA programs, and for InspirationToPublication.com, as well as for Writing Workshops of Los Angeles. She writes, teaches, (laughs) that's a lot. She writes, teaches, cooks, and eats in Los Angeles, where she lives with her family. Family. I really like the cooking and eating part. That's one of my favorite. Well, it's kind of central to, to Los Angeles, so it works out. <laughs> yes, yes, we yeah, have we have yeah. the Oakland connection up here. There's a lot of cooking and a lot of eating going yeah, yeah. going on. Yeah, one would hope in any good city there is a lot of cooking and eating going on. I would be very disappointed if that if that were untrue. In fact, right. yeah, that's that's a good point. Well, I was doing a little research on you, and I was looking up some of your essays, and I have to say that I really enjoyed your essay, and listeners, I will link it in the show notes. Um, it was on women who submit lit, and it was the saying yes while afraid oh. piece, mm-hmm. and in there you talked about racking up multiple rejections after rejections while you kept pressing forward in order to get your first publication. And there was a line in it that really resonated with me saying yes, while afraid is now my modus operandi. And I have to say that that is my MO too. That is, I'm normally, I'm normally saying yes. And then immediately saying, holy shit. What did I just say yes to? What did I just do? Why did they believe me? Why did they think I could do this? So hearing that. And if it's far enough away, it doesn't seem scary at all. And then it only scares you when it's too late to back out. And then you hate yourself for for saying yes. (laughs) And then you do it and you have a great time and life goes on. and, And I like it when I hear other people having that same idea in mind. Um, so this podcast is all about process and your process. And I would love to dive deep into that for a few moments. Um, what is the best time of day for you to write and where do you write? Um, well, I've got two kids and four jobs. So, um, 
I, but I try to sit down. Morning is usually my most fruitful time. Mm -hmm. Um, and I try to sit down at least three times a week for about three hours at a time when I can. Um, that said, there are things like summer and (laughs) Christmas break, um, where I don't get as much done as I would like to. Those three hours, are they pretty much uninterrupted when you get them, when you can get them Uh, in? I make them so. Um, the one good thing the kids were good for is that any time I, spell, I spent um, writing felt like stolen time. Oh. And so it seems more like an evil treat that I'm, you know, taking part in and I just shut everybody else out. And So, yeah, it's it's pretty much uninterrupted. I have noticed that from others, though. It's uh, um, some to, in order to fit it in, it feels like a treat, whereas mm-hmm. I don't have kids. But and sometimes it almost feels like a punishment. I have to go write. Whereas right. really busy moms are like, I get to write. <laughs> it's yeah. And it was when they were very small, they're teenagers now. So it's very different. But when they were very small, it was the only time that I could sort of, you know, get inside my head, uh, talk to grownups for a while. Um, I'll be them. I'll be the fictional. Even though you were making yeah. them up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and how do you write? Are you longhand um, on the computer? My handwriting is appalling. Uh, so... I'm on the computer. The only time I write longhand is if I'm stuck and have an idea or uh, when I teach writing in a workshop format. If I give my students an exercise, I'll apply that exercise to whatever I'm working on. And I'll write longhand there. Um, And it's very funny. It's a bit like untangling a drunken phone call from someone (laughs) the next day. I mean, um, I think the... It becomes an art in and of itself what ends up like coming off the page because some of it cannot be relied on, um, <laughs> you know, but yeah, but mostly computer and uh, just just word. Um, yeah. I know there are a lot of uh, different softwares out there that really help people. I have friends who swear by Scrivener, but I've been doing this for a long time, years, <laughs> and um, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I love it. I love it. How do you refill the creative well when you're running dry? Um, I don't really, it's terrible to say I don't run dry because I know people, I, that my walls are different. You know, I, I have little nervous breakdowns in the middle of working on something, mm-hmm. but dry is not really um, something that happens. After I finish a, a book, I will, to come up with an idea for a new book, um, short stories aren't that hard to step into. I'll go for long walks and things and sort of try to te- tease it out that way. Um, as far as feeding the creative well, mm-hmm. which I think is different, you know, I love visual art. My husband's a visual artist. Uh, so we go to a lot of exhibits and stuff. Um, and just going out and seeing people and having real conversations is also, you know, very good for writers to do once in a while. I love I love the differentiation that you make in there. The the instead of running all the way dry, you're constantly feeding it and putting into it so that you don't run out. Yeah, and it's not important. like I'm you know constantly brimming with ideas, but um, the idea of sitting down and saying oh, I don't know what to write about I, is is I think that that's somewhere back in my twenties. It doesn't really happen anymore. Yeah, I think life gets more interesting and complex as you get older. So there's always something you can be asking always. the world. Always, yes. Yeah. And what is the worst writing advice you've ever been given? Um, gosh, I blow it off when it happens. So Yeah. Don't, well, that's <laughs> good. You don't internalize it. it. Um, but I did have, you know, someone suggest that I should not do present tense uh, for a book that was clearly speaking to me in present tense. But <sighs> I think when people give that kind of advice, they have stuff stuck in their mind um, about what writing should be and 
it's like when I talk to my students, I tell them that I tell writers that give them the same advice I give expectant mothers. Uh, listen, nod politely, take what's useful and walk away. Oh, and just say, Thank I love you. that. <laughs> what Thank you. good yeah. advice. Yeah, because it's, you know, every, every piece you work on is different. Everybody's approach and technique is different. And arguing with that person is not going to get much. It doesn't get you anywhere. I can tell you that much. <laughs> it's like politics. You, just, you know, I would tell you, you should definitely never let your children play in the dirt and they could go on all day about it, but it's not going to help your kid or you. Oh, uh, and that's exactly why I asked this question because I want listeners to be able to hear that in their head. Oh my gosh, I was told I shouldn't use first person. But maybe that's not true. You know, I want to shake that kind of thing up. So thank you for saying that. And there are a that. lot of teachers who kind of get stuck on one thing. And I had an excellent mentor who was stuck on never, ever use adverbs. And I can understand that it's always good to find the right verb. But yes. there are always exception, um, exceptions to everything that uh, – things that people get stuck on like that. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. What secret writing tip of awesomeness have you discovered the hard way? That's so funny. You had two questions that, um, I, the hard way, right. So that <laughs> one was, um, uh, getting stuck in the middle, um, which always happens. And I used to write screenplays and mm. I would have this nervous breakdown. It's all for crap. This is totally not worth anything. Why am I even writing it? And about the third time that happened, my husband said, yeah, um, this happens every time. And in about two weeks, it'll be over just so you know, like he had to recognize that pattern. I so once I recognized it, the middle, um, I realize now when I'm in it, and it's much worse for books because books are very complex yeah. and they really don't take form until you're through a first draft. Um, I know enough to tell myself to shut up and just keep poking it with a stick, you know? I, I get that right way, right around forty to 45,000 words on a book every single time. But I never believe my wife when she tells me, that it's been this bad before. I always insist like, no, it's never, no, it's never been this bad. And this time I mean it. Yeah. And I love that your husband actually has like a date for you to get better. <laughs> Looking yeah, at the calendar. I, I think it was about two weeks to a month with screenplays. It definitely sometimes takes longer with a book. Um, yeah. But what I'll do is I'll go off and write something different for yeah. a while and just give it a rest mm -hmm. and then come back. And usually when I read it, it's not as crappy as I remembered it was. It never is. It never, yeah. thank, thank God. Can you give us a quick craft tip of any sort? Yes, this one was really good. And I actually got it um, from a lecture someone gave at my school. Um, but what I tell my students is if you in your head can imagine uh, in your book or story, um, who's telling the story, which I hope somebody you have in mind, who they're telling the story to, um, how long ago the story happened, and why they're telling it now. Mm. Um, it's not that mm. a fiction story gets told to someone, but Juliana Baggett said of the book, um, pure that she wrote it as if she was pulling her best friend close and, uh, speaking very urgently. Ugh. So if you think of your narrator, even if it's an omniscient narrator, um, who they're talking to, um, I've argued to my class that in the great Gatsby, uh, Nick, um, Carraway is probably talking to someone who he has to explain the upper class to, you know, and he might be telling them the story in a bar. It has sort of that feeling about it. Um, so, and it's not that Fitzgerald sat down and thought that, but I know right. that when you are writing, it helps to have those things in mind. That's huge. And it leads to sort of voice. It leads to stronger uh -huh. point of view and it lets your reader feel like they're in really good hands from early on. 
I love that. I always think of writing to a particular reader, you know, your perfect reader. Right. Um, but that's completely different. That's giving a reason for it. And I'm absolutely... Once you start getting reviews, you don't want to pretend you're writing to a reader because they start <laughs> getting grumpy in your head and uh, that's hard. That's so, true. Yeah, I try to think more of who the narrator is talking to. I love that. I love, I'm going to use that for my next book. That's fantastic, which I just started. Oh, so I'm going to think about it tomorrow. Yeah. And it's, it's something, you know, it's something you don't have to answer on the page. Mm -hmm. You just right. kind of answer it to yourself. It's, it's, I'm sure it's probably better not to ever answer that, but to know it. Yeah. Thank you. Um, on really bad days when you couldn't write or teach, what other profession, profession do you <laughs> wish you had? See, I don't know. <laughs> I love teaching so much. Um, I can do other things and I have, but, um, like it's, I always think when things are getting challenging money wise, wouldn't mind going back to waiting tables, wouldn't mm. mind doing the barista thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't really long after any profession I don't have, which I think is a nice a point of privilege to be at for sure. I worked 911 for a long time before I went full-time writing and, uh, and 911 was never as challenging as waitressing was. Waitressing, I think, was one of the yeah. hardest, most body and mind taking up job I've ever had. Just it's really all capacities it. working at at top level. Yeah, and you also it's good. Um, I mean, it's good training for a writer. I don't know if I'd have any energy to write if I was doing it while writing. Um, but in reading people, uh, in yeah. figuring out what they need, you have to practice deep empathy. Sometimes yeah. there are people who don't want to be bugged. They do not want you to come back and check on how their silverware is doing, you know, mm -hmm. um, and other people really actually kind of need someone to talk to. So it was good training for that. I've never heard anybody it's also else good say training. that. What? I've never heard anybody else say that. I've, I've always, I've always said that about waitressing and I've never heard anybody say it as clearly as that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, um, it's also, it was really good training. I, I worked in Hollywood after in mm. sort of taking a ration of shit and doing it with a smile because you know, it will affect everything. So <laughs> that part was useful. <laughs> I am fortunately at a place in my life where I don't have to have that kind of encounter anymore, but <laughs> I know me too. And I love it. It's the best part. <laughs> yeah. If you were starting all over as a new writer now, what advice would you give a baby Kate writer? I tell me to write a lot more and to um, know that it's going to be crap for a while. I think I had this notion that when I sat down to write, it had to be coming out good or it wasn't good at all. And that would lead to not writing <laughs> Um, I did a lot of that in my twenties. Um, so I think now I would just say, write and keep writing and, uh, write only for yourself. And then when you have stuff down, start, you know, revising it and making it worthy of an audience. Excellent. Excellent advice. And what would you like to plug right now? What would you like to tell us about? Um, well, inspiration of publication is an online program that I teach, um, with and if you have a computer you can take two to four week classes from anywhere in the world at any time of day so I would cool. definitely look that up I will link to um, that yeah and I do book coaching through that too which isn't really book coaching it's actually sort of writing coaching if anybody is working on short stories or fiction and we have some fantastic coaches uh who will work with you on memoir essay poetry Sochi uh is a our new poetry book coach which is lovely oh cool so, yeah. Um, and then, you know, I would definitely plug going and talking to all of your Congress people now about things that concern you. How's that? I <laughs> love that as a plug. That's basically I've, I've got I've got social as uh, um, social action on my bullet journal, my to do list now every day. 
and I just cross yeah. it off. I do my words. I, I call a senator, a representative. Yeah, and it's part of, on. Part it's, of the work day. It, yeah. it has to be now. I've started, um, the noise got really loud from the news and I was mm-hmm. realizing the writing, there were no quiet spaces anymore. So I decided to, um, I'm basically a two o'clock activist. Uh, I'll start reading the news and chiming in and figuring out who to call and write then. Um, and I'm trying really hard not to read the news first thing in the morning. Uh, Me too. Yeah. In you fact, I'm people. I'm in a terrific mood today because I still haven't looked at the news. Right. And we can't give all of our energy to that every morning or, we can't. you know, the stuff doesn't get written. And I think this stuff is kind of important. I absolutely agree. And I'm, I'm with you. I'm like, a, I start looking around three or four when my work is winding up. And then my new rule is I don't let myself look at any social media at all in bed because I always used to like to read Twitter right before I, I went know. to sleep. And, then and it, now but, you get wound up. You oh, can't so sleep. wound up. Yeah. Yes. Instagram is Instagram yes. is still kind of a safe place. Um, Even if and it's... I, I, what I mean by safe is, you know, obviously people still should register their uh, political opinions Absolutely. everywhere and share articles. But I don't feel that urgency of I'm not doing anything yes. that you would feel in bed looking at. You know, yes. And stuff. Yes. Yeah. And I like to see the the social activity on the, on that and but then also mixed with cat pictures and and yeah. and knitting and, and how are people's gardens m- growing I'd muffins like yes i really do yeah. like to know <laughs> well kate it has been such a treat to talk to you thank you so much for sharing your time with us and talking to the listeners well thank you so much and uh thanks for having me on okay i hope you get some writing done soon nice okay, big three hours too. bank okay bye okay, thanks. bye thanks so much for joining me on this episode of how do you write you can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends. Thank you.